Hallelujah. Amen. He's a God that's worth praising and magnifying and giving glory and honor to. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we just come to you once again this evening and just ask, Lord, that you would come and move among us, Lord, and walk among us, meet our needs, Lord. No doubt if I ask for hands to be lifted, they'd be lifted all over the building. We have needs in our lives, needs in our hearts, Lord, sicknesses and Lord, situations that we face, Lord, and sometimes things we don't know what to do or how to handle, but we're so thankful that you're our God and you're able, yea, more than able. We just ask that you would come and answer our questions tonight and speak to us, Father, as only you can, Lord. Lord, a man could open these bi this Bible, Lord, and turn the pages. A child could do it, but Lord, it takes you to anoint it to our lives, it takes you to speak to our hearts. and. We're just asking that you would anoint, Father, the speaker and also the hearer, Lord, that we can hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's turn the Bibles to Genesis 18. <clears throat> amen. It's good to be back. Amen. To be back with you and home. It's always good to go, but it's always good to be back. Amen. I know there was a lot. It's amazing how things work out. There was a lot gone, but it sounded like we still had a house full this last weekend, and, and we thank the Lord for that. And, but we were at Brother Ron's there for two weekends in a row and, and also spoke uh, one weekend there for him. And then at the Labor Day meetings, and there's some of the best meetings I've ever been in my life. And just thank the Lord for the opportunity that we had. And also was with Brother Sean Martin and Brother Mike Walls. And they all send their greetings to you. Amen, and uh, it's just uh, always good to be with God's people no matter where you go, amen. But I know we, uh, Brother Tim and Sister Karen are also coming in. They may be home now, but it's coming in late this evening, so amen. We're just glad that everyone's back home, amen. Are you glad to be back home? <laughs> amen. Genesis 18 and verse 11 says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old. And well stricken in age, and had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord say, said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Amen. We'll let you be seated. Amen. I'd like to speak this evening. I have to bear with me a little bit. I've picked up a little bit of a cold over the travel, come home with it yesterday, but uh, so if I go to snotting or something, just bypass all of that, amen, it's all right, we're here to have church, amen, amen, I, I just want to speak to you this evening on a thought the Lord has given me on my way home yesterday, is anything too hard for the Lord, is anything too hard to the Lord, maybe you should ask yourself that question as you think about this week or this last month or whatever you have going on in your life, is anything too hard for the Lord? 
And this thing, as he said, this is the words of God, as he would take and he would take dust out of the earth and he would form himself a body to come and walk down him and, and two angels as they came to visit Abraham under the shade tree there. And, and, and as he began to speak to Abraham, now this is the voice of God as he began to speak. And he began to give the promise to Sarah. Now, Sarah had been sitting in the tent, and she had been maybe having a hard day and going through a lot of things in her life. And, you know, she had heard about how that Abraham was in the promise and how that, Ab that God was going to give Abraham a son. And, but here God came to show himself to her. And he made this statement, is anything too hard for the Lord? And, and this thing is actually speaking of a word or a, a speech. Or in other words, is anything that I've said, is it too hard for me to bring to pass? If I've spoken it, I can bring it to pass, amen, or I would not have said it. And God does not say anything that he cannot do or he will not do. If God spoke it, he has the abilities, he has the, uh, uh, the, the, the power or whatever it takes to bring it to pass. And, and this hard is actually meaning to be beyond one's power or be too difficult to do. So there's nothing, is, he says, is anything or any word that I spoke too difficult for me to bring to pass. Now, here Abraham was sitting in the door of his tent. And it was a real hot day, and, and it must have been, you know, very, a lot of things going on. A lot of complaints had been coming in, you know, from the herdsmen, and the grass was gone. The land was drying up. He had separated from Lot because of the water situations, and, and, and uh, the, the cattle was dying and becoming very thin. The water supply about gone, and had found a few holes to dig a few wells, and and still the cattle didn't have enough water to to drink from. You know, sometimes you know when things seem to be going wrong. You know, we know by nature that's the darkest just before day. And when things seem to be really going wrong, and many times we see disastrous things happening, amen, we must bear it in our mind that that's when Satan is trying to block the blessing that's coming our way. And I'm here to tell you that we are a blessed people. We have been prophesied in this hour to be a blessed people. Blessed are your eyes for you see. Blessed for your ears that you hear. Amen. We are a blessed people. There's, and you know, in this case, Satan was trying to tempt them to feel they had done wrong, that maybe they made a wrong choice or they had done something wrong and got out of the promise of God. And, and here he was trying to block the oncoming visitation of God, that God was going to give Abraham and Sarah. And, you know, we're taught in the scriptures that all things work together for the good to them that love God. And, and so when, no matter how bad it seems, I mean, remember it's working for your good. That God is going to turn it somehow into a blessing. God's going to move it for your good. God's going to take a terrible thing, what we deem to be terrible, what we deem to be impossible, God's going to turn it around for our good. And I'm glad of that, amen, that I can have that assurance. You know, maybe Satan's been after you all day, but I believe if he's been after you, it means you're about to get a blessing. Amen. When you, when you notice when the meetings are coming up or things that are happening and the special meetings, you know, you might as well get ready for it. Satan's going to come and he's going to try to cause disturbances. He's going to try to cause disturbance in the church or in a family or whatever. He's trying to stop the blessing from getting to you. He's trying to stop you from receiving something from God because he knows if that can ever come through, then he's lost his power over you. Amen. But see, when, when he tempts you and he tries to block 
he's trying, what he's trying to get you to disbelieve. And the worst thing you can do is disbelieve God in the time that you have need of. And as soon as you get a little scared, maybe I've done this or I haven't done that, that's when Satan's got that blessing conquered. And you can't get it as long as Satan makes you think like that. And he says, perhaps if we would just listen to such things as temptations like that and would pay attention to them, then we would miss the blessing of God. And, and tonight, if he can get your mind on other things and your mind on a thought or a pattern or something that's going on in your life, that he will try to distort things until all you see is gloominess and all you see is doubt and all you see is fear or sickness and trouble or all you see is what's not going right or what's going wrong. And all you see is all these things going on around you. He's trying to block the blessings of God. He's trying to get our mind on something else and he tries to get our mind, well, wait a little longer or wait for another service. You'll get it another day. And it's always a carrot out in front of a horse, so to speak. But listen, God is wanting to bring a blessing to you. God's wanting to show of himself something to you that you are part of the promise of God. Listen, it ain't just promises in the Bible, but God is wanting to show you, Sarah, that you are part of the promise of God. That it isn't just about a prophet. It isn't about just a preacher. It isn't just about somebody else in the church. But Sarah, you are part of the promise of God. He's wanting to bring himself in the form of a dust of a man to come and speak a word that you can see, hey, I'm part of the promise of God. God has spoken this to me, amen. And he says, you know, sometimes when you get in a particular time and you're trying to press in and you're trying to pray or you're trying to get something from God, Satan brings every kind of sticker or every kind of briar or every kind of thought or every kind of thing against you. What? To keep something from happening. And Brother Bradham said, you know, I remember a particular time like that. He said, yeah, God had led him out in the wilderness somewhere to pray and he had led him to a certain place. It was a mill town. I've had the privilege of being in that little town and seeing the house that he's speaking of and the church there and the place where it was and all that. But he had been brought there because there was a lamb that had been crying. It was crying out mill town. And he comes to this place and he said that he's searching for it. And you know, in, in, our, in our time that we live in now, you can punch it in on your ways or your GPS and put in, you know, uh, just say for instance, Cotton Valley. And they'll say, you got so many minutes from here and it'll put out, plot out. But that wasn't what he had. Actually, Milltown was hardly no further than what Cotton Valley is from us, but he didn't even know where it was at. And he begins to ask, and then finally somebody was able to point him in the direction. And he goes there because he had heard, seen a vision or heard a lamb crying out, Mealtown. And he gets there under the unction of, and the inspiration of God, and he goes out to pray. And he says, here I was trying to pray for this situation because he was holding a, a, a meeting, and he was holding revivals. And, you know, and it was a town that was a place under such oppression that they didn't believe in divine healing. And they, they, they was pushing. Pushing against him and trying to keep him out of that town, but he knew he was under divine orchestration of God to be there. And, and so he goes out into the wilderness and the, and the country there to pray. And as he's praying, he says the stickers start sticking him and the briars start biting on uh, and, and mosquitoes start buzzing him, you know. And, and he starts swatting at them and he starts thinking about the stickers and he just says, Lord, I need your help. And a sticker poke him, Lord, I need your help. And a mosquito bite him. But he said, No, I had to get to the point. 
point that I didn't worry no more about a mosquito. I didn't worry no more about a sticker. I was here to hear from God. And I was going to hear from God. And I began to pray. And I began to pray harder. The more the sticker stuck, the harder I prayed. The more the mosquito bit, the harder I prayed. He said, I didn't care to the mosquito bit. He could just fill up if he wanted to. I wasn't concerned about him no more. I was there for one reason. If we can get that singleness of mind tonight to where the harder the devil pushes, the harder I'm going to pray. The harder he comes against me, the harder I'm going to pray. I'm going to get something from God. And if you come with that expectation and that that, that unction in your heart that I'm not leaving here without hearing from God, God will talk to you. God will speak to you. And as he pushed into that, now here God was determined. What was he determined? He was determined to set one lamb free. And this lamb was caught in a, in a tangle of unbelief. The church didn't believe. Mom and daddy didn't believe. It was caught in a thicket of unbelief. But God was determined he was going to save that lamb. I'm thankful to serve a God that's determined like that. Because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Why? Because God is so determined to save what is his. You know, we just had the privilege of watching the, the play Jesus at the sight and sound on a trip. And the one thing that really struck me was how they played out the maniac of Gadara. And as Jesus went across the sea and he's going and the storms are rocking and rolling. And you see the maniac up in the bushes there and he's getting all tore up and the demons of torment are there. And, and, but Jesus was so determined that he would leave a crowd and go to one. And as he's going across, they played it out as Jesus would tell the parable about leaving the 99 and go after that one lost lamb. Hallelujah. I'm glad I serve a God like that. That God is determined to meet the most, the smallest of needs or the smallest of places. God will go through hell to get there. He don't care what it takes. If that's his lamb, he's going after it. Amen. And Jesus steps out of the boat and he begins to walk up, out, up there and the man is beginning to be tormented by the spirits and the voice. And he says, what's your name? And Legion speaks out, the demons. It was like a voice. I never thought about this, but you know, Legion being many, it was many voices that spoke out of this man. And Jesus said, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to this man. Hallelujah. He says, Dorian. That's what the name they got. I never thought about Legion having a name. But God knows your name. And the devil might want to give you a different name, but God knows your real name. Amen. And here this little girl, the devil had tried to put tuberculosis on her. And that what she was known by was unbelief and tuberculosis. But God knew her name. Hallelujah. And I want to hear you tell you tonight, God knows your name. He knows exactly the situation you're finding yourself in. He knows exactly the torment and spirits that's been upon you. And he's not going to talk to them. He's talking to you tonight. And he's saying, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, if he can go across a raging sea and save one, he can come in this service on a Wednesday night and set the captive free. He can come in this service on a Wednesday night and sit and heal every sick person among us. He's that kind of God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. But here she was, a little girl could hardly spit in a cup, 35 pounds, her legs just about so big. He says thinner than Florence Nightingale. So I've seen pictures of her. Is anything too hard to the Lord? 
for the Lord. Said he'd been in revival for two weeks coming to the church. Said it was there. Said something began to press, go up in the wilderness to pray. And he said, when anything presses like that, you do it because it's the Holy Spirit. And Mrs. Wright said, Billy, I'll ring the old country dinner bell for you when it's time. He said, I'll ring the, when supper's ready for you to come. Then when you come and eat, we'll go right to church. I said, all right. He goes out there and he says, you know, as I got there, the rocks started poking me. The stickers started poking me. And the mosquitoes started buzzing. He said, you know, the devil's just trying to keep you from getting a blessing. Hey, man, I wonder how many blessings we've been robbed out of in a service because we allowed the voice of Satan or the tormenting thing of Satan to become greater than pressing our way into the kingdom of God. And he said, what it was, the devil's trying to keep you from getting a blessing. And I climbed a little further into the thicket and knelt down. Mosquitoes was there. And I was like, oh, God, be merciful. And I threw up my hands and prayed anyhow. And then as I began to get so burdened in my heart and pray and pray, I become so lost in prayer. He said, I hope you Christians know what that means. That's praying in the spirit. And he said, I opened my eyes and there was a little light hanging there and said, rise and go by the way of Carter's. Hallelujah. And he said, he walked in there and there's this little girl laying there. Seemed impossible for an impossible situation. But he said, rise in the name of Jesus and you're healed. He said, I don't even know why I said it. It just come out of my mouth before I could even think about rise in the name of Jesus and be healed. He said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And he said, as she rose up out of there and began to march all over the, and bless the grass and bless the trees and scream and shout. And father came home, an unbeliever, unbelieving father came, heard all the noise, began running in. And there's his daughter sitting there playing. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins with sinners plunged beneath the flood, lose all their guilty things. He said, her name is Georgie Carter, C-A-A-R-T-E-R, Milltown, Indiana, Ride her if you'd like to know the testimony for yourself. Yeah. Amen. I was preaching this about her one time up in, up in Ohio, and a sister brought me a picture of her sitting there. Amen. On her seat there, she was a caretaker in Georgie Carter later years. And beyond, I looked at that picture, and behind her was a little plaque that said, I believe in the power of a living God. Yeah. Amen. Why is anything too hard for the Lord? But what happens, Satan is trying to block you from receiving something from him. So he'll send little things against you. He'll send things right before service. He'll send things in your car on the way to church to try to block you from receiving something from God. But you got to push back against those things. But when we're in the middle of our storm, we must never forget who he is. A storm or a struggle or a situation that seems to be complete chaos is just Satan trying to block us from a promise, trying to get us to a place we can't receive something from God and missing altogether. Sickness comes, troubles at the door, trials on every hand, chaos all around us, oppression of Satan. But ask the question again, is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe about your husband's situation, you need to ask, is anything too hard for the Lord? For your children out there, is anything too hard for the Lord? For the sickness that's in your body, is it? Come on, church. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Is any sickness too hard for the Lord? Is any sin too hard for the Lord? Is any hard heart too hard for the Lord? Is financial struggle too hard for the Lord? Is pain anything? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, there's no promise too hard for him to keep. There's no prayer too hard for him to answer. There's no problem too hard for him to solve. There's no person too hard for him to save. He heals the worst cases. He saved the worst sinners. Come on, y'all act like I'm talking about a ball star. I'm talking about the name above all names. I'm talking about your God, your Savior, your healer. You're everything. That's who I'm talking about. They save the worst cases. He heals the worst sin, sickness. He softens the hardest hearts. He made a way where there seems to be no way. He is a pain taker. He is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. I'm talking about the God of gods. What was it to Abraham and Sarah? It was the voice of God. Amen. What was it? It was a trumpet that blasted. The promise is also for you, Sarah. Amen. Have you ever had the voice of God speak to you? I've had it speak to me. Might have been in the form of some dust. But when you heard that voice, it might have come out of a friend or out of, out of that. It may come from heaven. I don't know, but I, I, I've heard that voice. Amen. You know, we think this would be so, oh, this would be some kind of, oh, just a euphoria of a wonderful meeting. No, this was three men walking out of the dust, just common visitors out on the plains there, come walking out of the desert. But Abraham saw something a little different about them. He heard the voice and he realized, hey, this is the same one that's been talking to me. But Sarah's in a tent there, and she's all stewed up and like, yeah, well, this is really a good day for some company to show up, you know, and she's all kind of in a tore-up mood and things. And if she wasn't careful, she was going to miss it. But she was ordained to carry a promised child. So the devil could do whatever he want to, but he couldn't keep the promise from being fulfilled. And God came and spoke, and he said, Sarah, I've had that voice speak to me. And it almost leaves you like ringing in your ears for a moment. And the whole world just, for a moment, just goes quiet. And all you can hear is that voice. Amen. It is a voice of God. It's a trumpet blasted. Amen. And, every, and when, the, when the voice of God is a thunder or a trumpet, it's a, a sounding that goes forth. Amen. It's not a whisper. It's a blast. Satan doing everything he could to block it, but that blast going through the doubt and the fear and the unbelief, and could it be me? Sarah, you're going to have a child. Hallelujah. Amen. That same voice is here tonight saying, Sarah, the promise is unto you. It's your promise. It ain't just somebody else on the pew. It's your promise. Stood up, eyes on the wrong things, but God's word's going to be fulfilled. And when the word of God sounds out in your life, it will cause a war. And when the trumpet is a sounding for war, amen, it's the voice of God sounding for war. That's what the Jubilee trumpet was. In the, in, you know, 49 years, but on the 50th year, they could go free. 
It was a sounding of the trumpet. It was a sounding of freedom. It was a blast that went across the country and it began to sound out. As, a, as it entered into the ears, if they would accept it for what it was, they could go free. Amen. If they would hear it with their ears, they could throw their hose down. They could do. They didn't have to plow another road. They didn't have to live another moment in slavery. They didn't have to do not one more thing for, the, for that slave master. They could walk away a free man because there was a blast that took forth, a trumpet that sounded. And when that trumpet sounded, there wasn't anything too hard for the Lord. There wasn't no situation too hard for the Lord unless it would be unbelief. The sounding of the trumpet, the gospel trumpet, it means get ready for scriptural war. This is in the signs of the answer. Scriptural war. Paul said, if you want to put this down, 1 Corinthians 14, 8 said, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, how will a man know what to prepare for? If it doesn't give a scriptural sound, a vindicated sound, the word of God made manifest, how, we, how will we know? He said, if it says they believe in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, but then they deny signs and wonders at, that the whole realm of nature believed on him and all the churches believed on by this, how will we know how to prepare? He said, somebody has come forth with a chart and drawn it out, out. Somebody's come and done another thing contrary to that. And there's so many voices, but when God sounds, it will be a scriptural war it'll take you back to the scriptures for you to have something to hold on to Amen. It'll be scripturally right. It'll be, listen, this message is, you know, people say, well, Brother Branham said this and Brother Branham said this. This is the message. What the message is, is what the Bible says. Amen. Even if Brother Branham said it, if you don't take it back to the Bible, then it's not a scriptural war. But listen, Brother Branham didn't have to come and rewrite another book. He brought us back to the Bible and he put us in our homeland and said, these are your boundaries. And when you see the devil coming in on your boundary, prepare for war. Don't let him stay there. Hallelujah. I think we've allowed the devil to encroach on our freedoms for too long. And we've allowed him to come into our homes, into our houses. Listen, if you'll eat the book, it'll prepare you to war with the devil and take back your promises. Your God-given rights. You know what your God-given right as a woman is? To be a godly woman. That's a God-given right. You know, if you want to paint yourself up and look like a Jezebel, that's not a God-given right. That's not a scriptural battle. A scripture, when you bring it back to the scripture, to declare war on your closet. Hey man, your boys too. It'll declare war on your hairstyles and your and your closet and everything that you got going on. Your phones. Hey man, it'll declare war on everything. Hey man, that's what this that's what this jubilee trumpet is. This jubilee trumpet wasn't for you to remain in slavery. This message is not slavery. This message is freedom. It's the greatest freedom to ever hit this world. Amen. It's the greatest sounding that ever hit this world since the death of Jesus Christ. This message sounded out of jubilee. Amen. To bring us into a scriptural warfare to where we know who we're fighting and what we're fighting for. Amen. This message is not our, our boundaries and bindingness. It is our freedom. 
I don't, I don't get it. I mean, people will say, well, I, I'm in the battle for the Lord, yet they still got pain on their faces. They're still wearing ungodly things. How many started reading that book on the dress Brother Tim gave out? Amen. Amen. Listen, it's a scriptural war that's going on. Listen here. He said, but when God comes in the power of his resurrection, who's going to speak against it? When God comes and vindicates a word, who's going to speak against it? He said, of Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he does the same signs that he did yesterday, today, and forever. That's what this angel, he's talking about the last angel, the seventh angel is supposed to do, take them mysteries and loose ends and that run people, out, run people out on. If it gives an uncertain sound, unscriptural, who can prepare himself? A trumpet, did you notice each one of those ages, I told you the church coming in, when that trumpet sound and the seal, seal tore loose, a trumpet means war. It don't, if it don't give a scriptural sound, then what about it? But let me call this to your memory. Each church age had his message and his messenger. Paul was the first messenger. And when that trumpet sounded, the first seal tore loose. Paul, the first messenger as he found, what did he do? He declared war on that orthodox church. Amen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And when they was having to go down into their death and give their lives up for this gospel, is anything too hard for the Lord? But God gave them a power. Paul, knowing the scriptures, knowing Jesus was the Messiah, blasted those synagogues from place to place with scriptures. And he put out, he was put out of every one of them till finally he had to shake the dust from his feet and turn to the Gentiles. What was it? It was a sounding of a trumpet standing there with the word. Don't you miss that? The word standing with the word, the gospel trumpet. Hallelujah. Amen. If you want to, if you really want to win in this battle, the only place you're going to win is standing with the word. Hallelujah. That's the only place of safety. It might, it might cost them their lives as far as naturally speaking. And they was hung, they was crucified. But yet today they are in victory. Why? Because they stood with the word. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Go down to Irenaeus, the next church age. St. Martin, the next one. St. Martin blasted his age. Luther blasted the church, Catholic church with the word of God. The just shall live by faith. And this is not the literal body of Christ. And he threw the communion on the floor and walked out and blasted that Catholic church. What was it? It was a trumpet that was sounding that everyone could go free. Hallelujah. And it was many that walked out of them catechisms and them dark places of Catholicism. Free men. The just shall live by faith. Why? Because there's anything too hard for the Lord. God will have victorious lives in every age. Or therefore he would not have spoken to him that overcometh. In every age, he said to him that overcometh. He couldn't put that in there unless there was an overcomer to be had. Hallelujah. He spoke it in Paul's age. He spoke it in Irenaeus' age. And he sent a trumpet, a voice of God. It was to prepare them for scriptural battles and scriptural wars to fight an army. An enemy that was going to try to press and press and press. But God sent something to combat him with. 
Amen. We can see the pale, the horse riders as they took forth. Amen. Amen. With all the, the, the white horse and the black horse or the red horse, the black horse, all the way down to the pale. It's just beginning to ride, not in its full force until thankfully we're out of here. But in every one of them, God sent an antidote or he sent a, 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 a warring, amen, an opposition to, uh, to come in opposition. Listen, we're not in this battle alone. Hallelujah. I want you to understand you are not standing or sitting here in this pew alone. You're not here by yourself. We have not left here alone to stand on our own. But he has sent a spirit here to defeat this enemy. Hallelujah. He sent, the, he sent down the lion and the ox and the man. And in this age, we know what we have. We have the eagle. He's calling to battle. John Wesley raised up, said, why? They said, why? There's no need to have revivals. John Wesley stood up with the message of the work of grace, sanctification. He blasted that Anglican church with a gospel trumpet, prepared for war. He did it. He says, now we're in the Laodicean age when they've done, once again denominated Methodists have went, Baptists, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostals. They're looking for a prophet to come to blast this age to turn them back from their iniquity. He said, if they had been in the trend all the way down to the age, will God change his trend today? No, he can't do it. Amen. He has to keep in, to the regular stride. What was this message? Is a gospel trumpet blasting out of jubilee, showing us time and time again there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, this trumpet didn't stop. This gospel sounding didn't stop 50 years ago. It's still sounding today that he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the angel of God that visited people service after service after service. He's still the pillar of fire among us. Hallelujah. I, I, even this past weekend, it was, it was several uh, people that come back and testified of the pillar of fire that was among us. Amen. Actually, it was a little boy that walked out of, a, out of the church. He was, I think, what is it, five years old, something like that. Walked out, and his dad hadn't heard nothing yet about what it went, went on. It was the first night of the service. On Sunday, Brother Andrew got up and said he'd gotten several texts about the pillar of fire being visible. So his brother came to Brother Andrew and told him, he said, you know, he said, Friday night, my five-year-old boy was walking out, going to our car, and he says, Daddy, he said, that's a scary church. He said, well, what do you, what do you mean scary? He said, did you not see that fire over that man while he was preaching? He said, it was going up and it was going into the rafters and coming down. He said, that's a scary church. I want you to understand, this is a scary church. <laughs> Amen. It's so scary. The devil can't stay here with his cancer. He can't stay here with his alopecia. He can't stay here with his brain bleeds. He can't stay here with his hip troubles. He can't stay here in a center set there without conviction falling upon the heart. This is a scary church, not because of some man or some man's ideas or some creed. It's because of the visible visitation of the angels of God that are among us, the pillar of fire. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I remember, can't remember what situation it was was facing. I believe it was with my mother. And I sent a text to a brother in Tennessee, and he was sitting around with his family. And his boy has actually kind of been on the fence, just not knowing exactly 
who he is yet, you know. And, and he's telling, he telling his family as they went to devotions, he told them what the situation. And his boy just kind of smiled and he said, that devil showed up at the wrong church. Amen. Amen. I believe we're that kind of church. I like being that kind of church. When the devil walks in, he goes, wrong church. Wrong place. Wrong crowd. <laughs> wrong place. I, I don't have no one. The kingdom of this world has come, and he has no part with me. Hallelujah. That's the kind of church I want to be, that when he comes in, he realizes, I am in the wrong place. These people believe. These people know a God, and they will do exploits. I am not welcome here. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? When that jubilee trumpet sounded, every slave could take a slave belt off and walk off the job. <laughs> he didn't have to hoe no more. He didn't have to weed no more. He didn't have to do one more minute with the devil. Done. Over with. Satan's rule is over. And when this trumpet sounded in our age, it was to notify the devil, your rule is over. You are done. You have no more dominion. You have lost your power. Hallelujah. Is there people here tonight that want to notify the devil? I've heard the Jubilee trumpet, and I want him to know your rule is over. You're done, devil. I'm not listening to another one of your lies. I'm not listening to more of your torment spirits. I'm not listening to your depression. I will have the joy of God in my heart. Hallelujah. It is a sound for scriptural war. And I'm looking at a scriptural people, the people of the book. Hallelujah. God proved over and over there is nothing too hard for him. Mercy, how many accounts do we have to take from the Bible to show us over and over there's nothing too hard? Well, a, a sea of a Red Sea, big deal. Walk across on dry land. No food, no problem. Here it is. No water, no problem. Here it is. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at another one here. He said here, let me go down for just a second. Scripture comes to my mind. I thought I had it in the right place, but I want to bring it right now. Joshua. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Joshua 6, 15. Now here they are. They've done seen time after time. They didn't come through 50 years, 40 years, many years of walking through the wilderness. They wandered 40, but they was also coming through wilderness before that. So however many years they had seen God provide time after time after time. And here they were given the instruction by the mighty angels. He came down and he with a sword drawn. We know the story. And he told Joshua the battle plan. And what was it? It was a trumpet. It was a voice that was sounding for spiritual war, for scriptural war. And Joshua 6 and verse 15, it said, It came to pass on the seventh day. Seventh age. Give me the liberty. And they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only in that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets 
Joshua said unto people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. <laughs> and it came to pass in the seventh time and the priest blew the trumpets and what was it it was called for war and he said shout for the Lord hath given you the city and the city shall be cursed and all that therein to the Lord only Rahab the harlot shall live she and all that's in her house Hallelujah. In this moment, he has called us to this place, to this age that we're living in. And he's telling you, I've given you the promise. I've given you the land. I've given you everything that you have need of. All you got to do is shout. Receive what I've given you. Amen. It's a jubilee trumpet that is sounding. You don't have to remain a slave no longer. I provided for your needs. I provided for your food. I provided for everything that you are. I have everything you ever have. It's anything too hard for the Lord. Hallelujah. I preached that Saturday night on the sound of freedom. The sermon the Lord gave me just a few moments before I walked out of this door. I preached it Saturday night. Brother Andrew came up and he said there was a brother, amen, that had come a few weeks before and preached along the same lines. And he said the Lord spoke and he said for them to, to tell them this, you need to start letting your noise or your sound match your miracle. Hallelujah. When you realize what the Lord has done for you, where he's brought you from, and he brought you out of slavery, and he brought you out of all kind of things, out of sin and depression and spirits of hell that hung. Come on, Legion. He brought you out of all. He said, Legion, I'm not talking to you. I'm calling you by name. I'm calling you by Joe, Aaron, Timothy, every name that's been written there. That's who you really are. Hallelujah. And if you know God's healed you, God saved you, God set you free, it's time we let our rejoicing loose. Hallelujah. God has done this. Amen. What happened is they begin to shout and praise God. It caused a spiritual war. And the angels gathered their hosts and they begin to push down the walls. They push down doubt. They push down unbelief. They push down fear. They push down sickness. They push down cancer. Alopecia fell over. Brain bleed fell over. And the children of Israel running through there, free men. They wasn't slaves no longer. Now they were the victors. Hallelujah. This is what he has brought you to. This is the sounding of the trumpet. And one day, that trumpet's going to sound so loud, the dead in Christ's going to walk among us. Oh, praise God. This is calling us to a scriptural war. It isn't a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. That's why Satan don't stand there as a physical enemy. Poke. You know how angry you would get really fast? If somebody, some wicked looking dude comes and sat down beside you and started, this ain't your service. Stop that. You're not going nowhere. Who do you think you are? How long are you going to put up with that? Well, yet the devil comes along, puts all kinds of things and starts poking things. It ain't for you. This service ain't for you. It's for, it's for somebody else. You don't even belong here. 
you're in the wrong spot. Poke, 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 poke. How long are we going to put up with it? Amen. You know, it's like I told my mother the other, here a while back when she was going through the situation that she was having with the overreaction to the medicines and things and was causing her some issues. I said, Mom, I sat down beside her. I said, Mom, you're going to have to fight. I said, it ain't a physical fight. You can't punch him with your, fa- your, your fist as much as I know you'd love to or I'd love to. Right now, I'd love to punch that devil right in the mouth. I said, but you're going to have to fight. You can't lay around in your wowsy, wowsy woos. You can't lay around depressed. You've got to start speaking the word. I said, let me ask you something. I said, how long would you lay there in bed if there was a man walked in this house and started dragging your little granddaughter out the door? No, no, I know, I know what you'd do. You'd grab whatever you could grab and you'd start beating him with everything you got to beat. And I said, you're going to have to do the same thing to that spirit that's coming against your mind. Say, this ain't where I'm not entertaining you. You get out of here. I said, I can't do it for you. Dad can't do it for you. You got to do it for yourself. You got to say, I am not entertaining you no more. Let something rise up on the inside of her. And all of a sudden, it came over her and she began to scream out, I ain't going to listen to you one more time, devil. I ain't going to listen to you no more. I'm walking out. I'm going to be a free woman. Hallelujah. And listen, that's something that you've got to do in the service. You need to tell that devil, I'm not listening to you. I, this is my service. This is my time. Healing is at the door. I wonder how many times he comes to our door and he knocks. And he's saying, whosoever will, let him open up. You have something to do. Brother Branham would talk about it. In this in the contest, he said, our contest is not a physical contest, it's a spiritual contest, spiritual wickedness in high places, and he reads it there out of Ephesians, and we spent some time on that a while back on Ephesians 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I thought it was very interesting how he started that sermon out. He said, spiritual wickedness in high places. He said, I'd like to speak to you on a contest. And he said, a contest is a test of strength. And he said, we have to, and we are here to test strength. And he said, the Indians used to build a fire. And they'd put so many men on one end of a rope and so many in on the other end. It'd be a tug of war. It was a contest of strength. Who will pull the losing party across the fire? And he said, now we know there's many things, he said, we could talk about. He said, but, he said about a contest. He said, but this contest I want to talk about is between the church and Satan. Now, notice he didn't say Jesus and Satan. He said the church and Satan. The great strength of the church and then I want to speak about the great strength of God, or the great, he said, the great strength of Satan. And then we want to speak about the great strength of God in his church. So you're not fighting this battle alone. I want you to understand you're not the only one that's got a hold of the rope. <laughs> Is there anything too hard for the Lord? But he's going to let you pull it out and wrestle it out. And you're going to wrestle with it as Jacob wrestled with it. As many have wrestled down through the ages with Satan. He said, we know, but we know when Satan is trying now to pull God's people across the fire, we know who has the most power. 
God does. And God, when he gave the people the best thing he could combat Satan with, his word and the word of God, who is stronger than God? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The word of God and the word becomes our strength. God in the church, it becomes a strength to pull Satan into his own fire. Hallelujah. Amen. Every service you come to, you have the obligation to grab a hold of the rope. Say, I'm going to pull with everything I've got because it's me or you, devil. Amen. He said, he said, the old saying, he says, people says, he said, people don't believe in demons in this day. He said, but the thing to do is to know your enemy, to train, to know exactly where the punch is going to come from and how to punch him. He says he tries to study us, and he's been studying for 6,000 years. He studies his leaks, licks. He knows what he's fighting for, whether he leans forward, hangs back, checks him if he's left-handed or right-handed. He studies all of that. He tries to find him a sparring partner, the fight just like his opponent's fight. He said, the thing that's very good for Christians to do is to know where, where you want to start training and you start with John three sixteen. for God so loved the world you need to tell that devil tonight God loves me I want you to turn around to your neighbor and tell your neighbor God loves me and God loves you Amen. That right there will already start the licks on Satan because Satan always wanting to come to you and say, nobody cares. Nobody understands. Nobody knows. Nobody's worried about you. You're on your own. Nobody cares. Just you're, you're by yourself. God so loved the world. God makes it. He said when God could think of what he could give for his people to defeat the enemy. If he could thought of anything better, he would have done it, but he gave the people his word. He said, now the enemy is going to study. He's going to try to find it, find that weak moment like he did Eve. And what's he, it's the word, it's the word, the line is the word. And Satan's on the other end trying to pull you with the word. That's what he did Eve. He pulled her out of Eden with the word. He come and he tried to pull with the deceit. He tried to do it to Jesus. He used the word against Jesus to try to pull them out of their position. Looks so good, looks so in it, looks so right, but it wasn't scriptural. You always got to take him back to the word. And you'll realize when you take him back to the word, he left something out. It's 99% the truth, but that's, he said, when it, but he said, what happens? He tries to bring the word and reason it. Yeah, God has said you are, but not for this time. Yeah, you can be healed, but not this service. And every, every time he's pulling you closer to the fire. You, you're, you're one of his, but it's going to not just wait a little longer. It's not right now. And he's pulling, trying to pull you to destruction. He said, but what is it? It's a contest. And what you have to do is get away from all unbelief, all doubts. And get back to John 3, 16. God so loved the world. He loves me. He said, see, Satan didn't disagree with her when she quoted the word. God said, you couldn't eat thereof. That day you eat thereof that way. And he didn't disagree. He said, certainly that's right. But you see, you need some new light. 
You need something a little different from what God said. If you do, you'll be a little smarter. What was he doing? Pulling her ever so closely to himself. He said, see, but God said you would. You would die. That settles it. That broke, that great tug of war broke loose the whole human race to death because Eve listened to the reasoning of, against God's word. And he said, every time you do it, it'll pull you into the fire. He said, see, you know, many say today there's no such a thing as a devil. The devil's just a bad thought. Now, we're at this church no better than that. He's more than just a bad thought, but so is God more than just a good thought. Hallelujah. And the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, when he, the Holy Spirit has come, he, personal program, he's something real. And the devil is a person. Demons are a person. He said, a man was arguing me a few weeks ago, you know what I, to do? You just, you just put something in people's mind thinking that you're telling them a thing, and it just changes the thought. He said, I met the very same thing in India one time. Those holy men that were there, and I believe the largest audience I ever stood before, half a million people caught it by discernment and the spirit of why this man was blind he said this big force he said this tug of war was going on he's just reading their minds but he said I knew I wasn't reading his mind he said I knew I'd seen a vision and the vision had told me why this man was blind brother Branham puts out the challenge he said hey you, you wise men a holy man you that think that like that said this man became blind because he was looking at the sun and worshiping the sun. He said, now if you by the power that you believe in, you come and heal him. Yeah. And he said that not one of them came up. He said, but what was going on? It was a tug of war. There's a tug of war in every service. Will I get anything in this service? Will I receive something from God? Am I going to get something? And Satan's like, nah. Not this time. Just wait a little longer. Yay, you are a child of God. Just wait a little longer. Yeah, you're, you're, you're an overcomer. Just wait a little longer. And he said as he stood there, you know, some people today, we bring this down, some people today are trying to say that Jesus ain't the word we're supposed to use. We're supposed to use Yahweh or Yeshua. A bunch of nonsense. I'd rather use the word that was vindicated in this hour. Jesus. I'd rather use the name that the word, the word, the name that the, the squirrels were created in. The name that blind eyes seen. The name that healed the deaf and healed the lepers and raised the dead. That's the name I'm going to use. Amen. I'm not going to follow some other thing that's, that ain't even vindicated. But I know that name's vindicated. And that's what he did. He said, I, I, I come here not in my own name. He said, but I come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, by that power. And he said, what is it? It's actually a power. God is God. Satan is God. If you don't believe in the devil, just wait a little bit. He said, don't tell me there's no devil because I know better. I fight him every day. I mean, he fights him every day. So I know there's a devil. He said, he must be trained when you meet him. Not trained with psychology or trained with education, but trained by the Holy Spirit, God's power in his word to make it manifest. Know your enemy. But as I stood there, I said, it's got to happen because Jesus said it's going to happen. So I stood there beyond the reasoning, beyond the mind battles, beyond the tug of war, and I grabbed the line, and I said, in the name of Jesus, let this man receive his sight. 
And that pull pulled that man into his healing. Let's go to Ezekiel 36. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I was just reading this and it just so struck me. It said, Also thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel. And say ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy has said against you, Aha, even the ancient high places are ours in possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God. Now notice what he's talking to. He's talking to the hills, the mountains, the valleys, the promised land, the promises. And the enemy had garrisoned himself around the promises and said, we're going to take these high places. They belong to us. But a word came to him and said, thus saith the Lord, because they've made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, that you might be a possession unto the residue of the healing, heathen, and you've taken up the lip, and you're taken up in the lips of the talkers and are an infamy of the people. Therefore, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, to the rivers, to the valleys, to the desolate wastes, to the cities that are forsaken, which become a prey and arisen to the residue of the heathen that are round about. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Endemia, which have appointed my land into their possession with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds to cast it out for a prey. Prophesy therefore concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains, to the hills, to the rivers, to the valleys, thus saith the Lord, behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury because I have borne the shame of the healing. Thus saith the Lord of God. How many times he said, I'm speaking here. I've lifted up my hands. Surely the heathen that are about you, they shall bear their shame. But ye, O mountains of Israel, ye promises, you words of God, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people, Amen. to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. Oh, hallelujah. You need to tell your prayer promise. I'm at hand. I'm at hand. I'm here to receive what is mine. Is anything too hard to the Lord? It may look like that promise has went for years and years and garrisons of enemy, but the Lord has spoken. You're going to bring forth fruit. You're going to bring it in my people. You're going to do what I have said you're going to do for who you're going to do it for. For I have spoken, saith the Lord. For behold... I am with you. Hello, somebody. Amen. He just said the fruit to my people. For I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and ye shall be tilled and sown, and I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, even all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded, and I will multiply upon you men and beasts, and they shall increase and bring forth fruit, and I will settle you after your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings. Come on, Job. Better at you than what was at your beginnings. Amen. As Brother Danny said before we left, quit looking at what's going on in the middle and look to the end, the promises of God, and realize God's going to do better for me. 
that he did at the beginning. He's going to give me streets of gold to walk on. He's going to give me a body that's never sinned and no doubts, no worries, no fears, no ever. He's going to give me more than I ever had. Thus saith the Lord God, I will cause men, and I, you shall know that I am the Lord, verse 12, I will cause men to walk upon you. Hallelujah. He's built promises. He's, they've been laying there for us to walk on. Even my people Israel, they shall possess thee, and thou shalt be their inheritance. Thou shalt no more henceforth bereave them of men. Thus saith the Lord, because they say unto you, Thou land that devourest up men and hast bereaved thy nation. Therefore, they shalt devour men no more. Neither bereave thy nations anymore, saith the Lord God. Neither will I cause men to hear in thee the shame of the heathen anymore. Neither shalt thou bear the reproach of the people anymore. Neither shalt thou cause thy nations to fall anymore, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them for the blood which they had shed upon the land and for the idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen. They were dispersed through the countries according to their way, according to their doings. I judged them. And when they entered to the heathen, whether they went, they profaned my holy name and said, these are the people of the Lord that are going out of the land. But I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whether they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord, Lord, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sakes, which you have profaned among the heathens, whether they went. I will sanctify my great name, which you have profaned among the heathen. You profaned in the midst of them, and the heathens shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall sanctify in you before their eyes. Yes, you went out. Yes, you did wrong, but I'm going to bring you home again. I'm going to sanctify you right before the heathen's eyes. I'm going to change your body right before the heathen's eyes. And I will take you from among the heathen and gather out of all the countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. And from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Can somebody say amazing grace? A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart. Is anything too hard for the Lord? A stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. And I will save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for the corn and will increase it. And lay no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase of the field. And you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then you shall remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourself in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I do this, saith the Lord. Be it known unto you, be it ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, in the day that I shall cleanse you from all your iniquity, I will also cause you to dwell in cities and wasted places shall be built up and desolate land shall be tilled and lay desolate in the sight of all that pass and they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like a garden of Eden. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. These promises that have laid dormant are now blossoming. Blossoming and people are eating the fruit of them. They lay dormant for thousands of years. A Holy Ghost laid the promise of that power to give somebody the overcoming power. Lay dormant for so many years. But one day, a trumpet sound. A voice spoke, and it caused a scriptural war. And men that had left and become as desolate wastelands, barren deserts, some of you, some, such were some of you, barren places. The enemy had camped out on you, said you'll never be anything, said you never belonged, to, you never did belong to God, made all kind of halts and challenges. But there was a trumpet that sounded, and you heard it. You said, he said, I can go free. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there any case too hard for him? How much have we seen? It would be a, it'd be a sin for us to doubt now. God has given us so many things, even our own midst. I look around and not just here, things are happening all over the world. Listen, I invite you to come and grab a hold of the line. Every service, grab a hold of the line. Come in here ready to serve God and to worship Him and say, God, I'm putting my all into this. And I'm going to pull with everything that I've got. I'm going to give everything that I've got so you can have all the glory and you can have all the honor. Let's bow our heads. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, what, what, about, what about this financial? Is anything too hard for the Lord? What about this sickness? Is anything too hard for the Lord? How about a church? What is your answer? Is anything too hard for the Lord? says, Oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. There's nothing too hard for your God, for your situation. Turn your eyes on him. Look away from the middle. Look to the end. Look away at what happened behind you. Look to the end. He's got something in mind. Father, just a little thought you laid on my heart. Promises of God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I think about even the next chapter, Ezekiel 37, starts out in the valley of dry bones. You said, will these bones live? The prophet said, yea, thou knowest, Lord. He began to speak the word of God, and out of the valley of dry bones and ditches, bones begin to come to bones, sinew, flesh, and then the breath of air came through. 
the breath of God to give them life to live again a mighty and exceeding great army. Is anything too hard for you? Lord, we'd say tonight there's not a case impossible. It has proved over and over through these 40, 50 years ago, Lord, when a ministry hit this earth, showing us time after time there's nothing too hard for you. Crossed eyes were uncrossed. The lame walked. Loads of wheelchairs, dump truck loads of wheelchairs and braces and things thrown away. Is anything too hard for you? Lord, just listen to the prophet's voice. Lord, as he looked at going west, not knowing what was before him, shaking and trembling, not realizing we'd still be here almost 60, 70 years later. Oh, God. Not knowing what this message would do, go around this world and go in some of the hardest places. Go beyond the iron curtain, the bamboo curtain. Go through every denominational wall to find that lost lamb. There's nothing too hard for you, Lord. God, what a wonderful God you are. Give us faith to believe, Lord, tonight that God so loved the world. He loves me. He cares for me. He understands my needs. And there's nothing too hard for you, Lord. Bless your people tonight, Father. Bless their attentiveness, Lord. The pull, Lord, in their lives and their hearts to hear the word of God. Lord, may we come in this services, Lord, not just take each service for granted, any service for granted. But, Lord, grab a hold of the line of the word and begin to pull. Begin to pull with all that we have. Knowing, Lord, as we pull, Lord, as a great army, we're pulling Satan closer and closer to his destruction, to his own fire. Father, we love you now. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead. Say. of his glory.